0: Gene Lotus, editor and publisher of Hemp Build Mag and journalist of all things Industrial Hemp. It is such an honor to have you with us today on Hemp Parents. Thank you for being here. Oh,
1: Joy, I am so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Um, boy, it's, it's a super honor to be on your podcast because you're everywhere and you are... Um, I kind of think of you as almost the godmother of industrial hemp in the United
0: States. You are such an angel. I love being your reflection, sister, because I sit here in awe of the incredible, important work that you're doing. Um, As many people know who listen to the show, Hemp Creed, of all the thousands of products that can be made from hemp, is my favorite of them all, and hemp building materials in general. But, you know, I've just been doing it a whole long time. You know the, the hemp bug bites you. It gets into your DNA, and then you just go go go. Same thing happened to me that happened to you. I've just been I've just been doing it for a little over thirty years, and boy, have I had some uh, major assistance with that, especially in hemp building. I call her the the first lady of hemp. Oftentimes, um, Andrea Herman uh, in hemp building, and so I'm just so grateful for those opportunities. But you're in Texas right now, from what I understand. I My heart was so hurting that I was not able to attend the Hemp Building Summit, which just took place in Austin. And the Hemp Building world is getting really huge here. So A, I want to hear about the Hemp Building Summit. But before we go there, let's talk, Jean, about what brought you to hemp. How did you get interested in hemp? What is your story, gal?
1: Well, um, I have been a journalist for about thirty years, and um, I basically uh, I had a beat at United Press International. And people of a certain era will know that company formerly was UPI was formerly sort of like Associated Press. It was a it was a news agency service that you could just get and put stories from it in your newspaper. So I had the most fantastic beat. I had the Western United States, anything I wanted to write about. As long as I could get it past my very sharp and demanding editor, I could write about it. But every time I wrote about industrial hemp, you know, now you can tell on page views how many people are reading it. And so since I was based in Colorado, I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado. And since I was based there, I was sort of in the epicenter of hemp. There and um, a friend of mine actually was buying biomass and had me take him around to a couple farms and I was just loving it and then I would write about it and then people would just read about it and then UPI uh, you know because of COVID they they had to cut all of the original reporting and so they do a lot of aggregation now and so I felt like this is the time this is the time to jump into just being a hemp journalist so first I was. Like, I'm just going to be a freelancer, and I'm going to just pitch stories about hemp to all these agriculture magazines and all this other stuff. And then I realized two things. First, I realized the building is the most interesting thing to me. And second, I realized that, you know, other magazines are are hurting too, and they're not hiring a lot of freelance writers. So I decided to just go with my own thing. And, you know, there is hemp grower, and there's hemp Hemp today, and there's all these other, you know, the big umbrella of hemp, which is a huge topic. Um, but there was nothing specifically for building, and there's so much excitement around the building. And you know what, I've noticed, Joy, is women are super excited by hemp building. What I've noticed, one of the things is, you know, if you do, we talked about hempcrete, it's you know, if you make hempcrete blocks, they're so much lighter than regular cement blocks. You know, it's really a, it's a female friendly material. It, uh, you could, you could do masonry with hemp blocks and it wouldn't be as heavy. And I think just the the whole democratization of housing which is super important to me as a mother of college age kids, you know, they tell me I'm never gonna own a house. You know, and when we talk about young people facing that, it's, it's very unsettling to them. Um, and it just, you know, the price of housing is so high and the they say there are 5 million too few housing units in the United
0: States. So, it's a crisis. It's just an an outright straight up crisis. Not, not It to, is a crisis. Not to mention the fact that the housing we have, of course, is by and large constructed of off-gassing, temporary, inferior materials.
1: Exactly. And they're specifically designed to fall apart when the mortgage ends, right? <laughs> There's planned obsolescence. Obsolescence. So your your uh, drywall will just decay or whatever. And then, you know, the whole mold issue, mold in the Southeastern and Southern United States is, and, and really in the Midwest too, is...
0: In the Pacific Northwest, here I am in Seattle, right? Molding away. Oh my God, yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. So the whole idea of sealing ourselves in into buildings with uh, non-vapor permeable walls, and then being trapped with our mold <laughs> is a is a huge housing crisis.
0: So sick buildings and sick
1: humans. Right, exactly. So the idea, you know, the hempcrete idea, and, you know, it's very simple. I When I, in the 90s, you probably knew people who loved the straw bale houses. And when you would meet people, they would talk about straw bale and they would just become, you know, obsessed. And I think it's part of the same thing where it's so easy to understand hemp, lime, water, pozzolan. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a simple thing. It's an insulation, blah, blah, blah. It's a wall, wall assembly. So yes, everybody likes cow bale, but, but the question is, you know, and, and the fact that it's also been used in Europe for 30 years to me indicates that, you know, here we are in this climate crisis um, and we, we absolutely have to take a look at construction and how much carbon is generated by construction. Hemp building materials actually absorb hemp; uh, they absorb carbon dioxide as they're growing. They absorb well. I've seen people. I mean, I don't know exactly what the actual amount of carbon dioxide. I, I saw Bo Whitney from Whitney Economics had a report recently that said five metric tons per acre, but it's a heck of a lot.
0: Yeah, I think if I could just if I could just get in there, it, it's so important, you know. As we have these sort of critical thinking, the acre it depends on what kind of an acre, right? How densely planted was that hemp? Were, were the rows six inches apart? Were they eight feet apart? Were what type of hemp was planted? Was it you know fiber, so on and so forth? So all of these all of these statistics that we shout out are sort of generally speaking, and and generally have some type of qualifier to them but what what we certainly know of course is that Hemp, uh, while all plants, of course, convert CO2 to oxygen, so on and so forth, there is a unique process within the, the cannabis plant um, that actually absorbs a higher amount of that CO2. So there is just something special and unique to that that photosynthesis, to that entire conversion process for the cannabis plant. And that's one of the
1: reasons it grows so quickly. Because it's sucking in the air, right? So that there are these air pockets sort of in there. And that's why it makes great insulation.
0: That beautiful, spongy, porous... You know, I'll never forget when I first learned, because it was a University of Bath that had, has a, a micro, under a microscope, what hemp cellulose looks like under a microscope. And it looks like a sponge, and you can see these little squares and tubes and holes where, where thermal energy or vapor, humidity... You know, goes and hangs out as it's passing through that wall because that hempcrete wall, of course, can regulate the thermal energy and can regulate uh, that humidity. It's just, it's just incredible, right?
1: And so, and the fact that you know, even though it's a brand new technology here in the United States, the fact that it's been done in Europe for thirty years and they have made the mistakes, and we're going to make the mistakes too, and it is, you know, sometimes it's happening here and that's you know as an industry begins that's very common you know it's just going to happen also you know we have something to look forward to and I just saw a gorgeous building that's being built in Paris right now it's 60 meters which I think is about 120 feet high and it's got 61 apartment units and it's got hemp blocks um, and there are these architects in France Basically they have been told they need to produce carbon negative or low carbon buildings. And um, they are using hemp and we can learn a lot from them.
0: So much from them, and and you know, I think it's important to note, of course, that while it's there's a revival of hempcrete that we've traced back to to France, this modern day revival, right, uh, to the mid nineteen eighties or so. But hempcrete has been used by mankind for at least thousands of years. I mean, we've got, of course, as you know, the the ancient Allura caves in in India. Mm-hmm, that have the hemp and clay and lime walls, and those beautiful drawings that are on those walls that are fifteen hundred years old and and the the walls that were the hemp and clay and lime, of course, the drawings are preserved, and the other drawings from the other walls are have been worn away by rodents and the elements over the years and and I believe and you may know more about this than I do um gene that there's also a building still standing in Japan some 700 years old yeah i've read about
1: that i i don't know exactly where in japan it is but yes again you know hemp being used so isn't it interesting i mean as a journalist really i feel like this is one of the The stores of the century, right? When you think about the historic idea of a brand new row crop being introduced to the United States, that also happens to be an ancient (laughs) row crop with like hundreds of uses that actually had a, a complete history here. Not always a great history, a history of enslavement, a hard, you know, a plant that was difficult to process even then and it is now we're having decortication issues here Um, but that has been used for just hundreds and thousands of years and the fact that we took this bizarre science fiction alternate universe route that we now you know make everything with petrochemicals that we could have made with the carbon in the hemp plant and other plants so interesting as a journalist I see that you know fascinating to me and I, I just see it as like one of the best stories to be reporting on ever.
0: Most definitely. And and despite the sort of oatmeal like and lightness uh that you described earlier of Hemp Creek, we're talking some seriously strong stuff with depending on how close you are to a to a pole or to the equator, would determine how thick your wall needs to be in order to deliver the superior performance that Hemp Creek can deliver, which is with good windows and about six to 18 inch walls, depending again where you are located to near to an extreme temperatures. We're talking about being able to keep your home about 60 degrees Fahrenheit in an interior ambient uh, uh, temperature year round without a heating or a cooling system, you know, which is so hard for people to, to comprehend. But we are so not blowing smoke up skirts here. I mean, I, you know, Hemp Technologies built, of course, the first fully permitted Hempcrete home uh, in the United States for the the then mayor of Asheville, North Carolina. And of course they- It's a beautiful house. Isn't it gorgeous? It's just so yes. incredible. I, I was so blessed to be able to tour that home. And, you know, it's got the two fireplaces. Places and some other units of heating and cooling, Um, but you know, they barely are ever used at all, even during those winters. And that's on the side of a mountain, that house, because of course, uh, thermal capacity and thermal conductivity, which are two concepts that are pretty difficult to reconcile, except for with hempcrete. If you're going to heat that house up, it's going to stay, it's going to heat up very quickly and it's going to stay warm for a long time. And so, just no need to do it when you've got appliances and human beings uh, running around in there with with good windows. Let's talk for a minute about the projects that are exciting you the most about what's going on in the United States. I know you are very close with, as am I, the U.S. Hemp Building Association, and they're so wonderful. I mean, Jacob Waddell, what an incredible gift he has is um, and has been to the hemp building industry, his leadership, his drive, his skill his experience, and a fantastic board, uh, uh, the vice president, and others on the board. Um, and they, of course, are getting their finger on the pulse A, uh, trying to uh, raise funds to apply for, in partnership with ASTM, uh, an international code for a hempcrete process, approval for a hempcrete process with the International Certification Council, um, but also to collect a, a map of and keep a finger on the pulse of all of the different projects in the US. So with that, what are the ones exciting you? Yes, and
1: that map is not complete, but and there are more projects being built every day. I mean, Cameron McIntosh from Americhandra, uh he worked on 10 projects this year and he showed us a slideshow of them at the US Hemp Building Summit and oh my gosh, and at the end he showed us a picture of himself You know, he called, the people called them camera days because they were, they were using that blow insulation from the ER easy machine and, you know, they, they had to keep it going and they were trying to get, you know, an entire house insulated in, in, in about six days. And, um, they ended up, you know, at the end working like 12, 14 hour days just to get it done. And that he showed a picture of himself and he was just, he had just taken off the mask, you know, and he was just, his face was all puffy and he looked so bleary. And he said, this is, <laughs> this is what it's like to build, to do 10 projects. But it's so interesting to me because, you know, some of these projects, two things he told me, one thing he said was that these projects were planned years ago and people heard about Ham Creek, they've been doing the research and they've finally get their act together you know they finally it's very difficult to get all of the it's very difficult to build your own house anyway but main you know to get it past the local permitting departments to get supplies when stuff when there's a pandemic going on and you can't get uh, you can't get supplies from France you can't get it locally because it it hasn't been grown it has not been processed so um, that's the first thing he told me was that people have been waiting for years And, you know, the dam kind of broke this year. The second thing he told me was that women in, you know, usually if people are building a dream house, they're usually, you know, they're older, not always, but this is their final house and they're going to die in it, you know, and this is the way they want. But he said, it's the women that are getting it past the permitting
0: departments. Like they will not take no for an answer. Well, certainly women are very powerful. They know what they want. And of course, we want to heal the planet first and foremost and create security for our families. So, uh, so none of that surprises me at all. Now, Cameron is also working on with Hempstone, uh, Jennifer and Tom, a beautiful project on Cape Cod. Any, yes. Anything you want to share with us about that project? That
1: project is amazing. So that is a 6,000 square foot house. That project was built by a couple who he is a, he was the CEO of a startup, software startup, and he wanted to build a climate resistant home and an, a negative, carbon negative home on Cape Cod. They had bought a a house kind of right on the beach that was, um, it was kind of falling apart. So they 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 bought it deliberately as a teardown, but then they, but it's very interesting because they did design it so that um, it can withstand sea level rise. Uh, It can it uh, they they basically decided to have zero petrochemical anything in the in the house. And when they um, what they wanted to do was also to show how a large project like that could be done with an industrial technology. So Cameron McIntosh has the the one-man sprayer, the EREZ, and there are a number of them here in the United States. He actually, he actually distributes those. But there is another uh, there are other companies and other systems that are more sort of industrial. And so they actually brought this industrial sprayer over from France to do this house and i think they got it done in less than a week and it's an enormous enormous house i mean it's 6000 square feet um they d- even did the roof with hempcrete so and they also and of course this was not a cheap project and they had to import you know they had to bring the operator and designer of the machine to come over they had to get him over during covid and then they brought in a lime plasterer from quebec who does lime plaster and they they had to get him through, you know, through the the COVID uh, gauntlet. I think he was actually tried to get into the United States three different times last year, but they got him in. And of course he's an expert, you know, in this French uh, plastering. So it really was almost a, you know, it was almost like a French building that was built right on Cape Cod. And I did speak to the, home builders who do a lot of crazy projects. I mean, Cape Cod is where, you know, it's a, it's a fancy place where people go and build very challenging architectural um, projects, like an entire house that's a, a cube of glass or or things like that. Right. But But he was very impressed by this. And one of the things he was impressed by was, you know, when he talked to the fire marshal, the guy came over to see the hempcrete and was super impressed and kept coming back again and again to just see how it worked. The other funny thing they told me about that project was they were using the spray and the spray is like blowing it. It blew the lime out of one tube and the hemp out of another tube. And the hemp was like blowing in the wind over into the neighbor's yard. And of course, if you saw insulation being blown into your yard, you'd have a fit because it's toxic, right? And you don't want this all over your yard well
0: except for this is not toxic yeah so they
1: (laughs) this is not toxic this is a plant material you know um and and it was such a change and um i will say that uh mike montero's company he's the owner he has a a new startup that is a hemp startup called m pactful ventures And they are, the idea was, you know, bring this machine over, show how it can be used on a large industrial scale, show how, you know, this is the next step in the hemp industry, in the building industry. And when we talk about carbon, uh, you know, carbon goals for 2030, carbon goals for 2050, we need to do something on an industrial scale. So that is why I feel that, you know this is a this is a huge step and it really couldn't even have happened last year and it they estimated there were maybe 50 hemp buildings in the United States last year well another 10 built this year and it's just it's just exploding and all this hemp herd is showing up because people were growing industrial style hemp and they're getting it processed. They're getting it processed in Kansas at South Bend Industrial Hemp, Melissa Nelson and Aaron Baldwin. So um, yeah, it's just so exciting. So really we do have to think about, you know, some of the hemp builders that I've talked to in Britain and Europe, they say things like, well, this is just a, you know, this is a specialty product and blah, 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 blah. And we we have plenty of work to do here, but we we do a lot of renovations and old buildings, and and it's just not really it really hasn't caught on. Even though there is a Marks and Spencer grocery store in Great Britain, there's a Hempcrete Housing Council uh, set of of buildings, maybe forty or fifty buildings, a whole neighborhood out of it.
0: Try and there's the Triangle apartment complex, absolutely in the UK. 41 units. And, and, you know, there's an admin's brewery uh, as well. These commercial projects, you know, that have gone up. I, you know, I have been hearing people still say, at, when you've been working at this hemp building stuff for so long and understand the, the kicking tires and the gaining traction you know it when you feel it and it is on like donkey kong um and okay well that's what i want
1: to hear joy I, i
0: really do i feel it and i think what is happening is while we're still even hearing certain even proponents of hempcrete say it's a it's a niche thing and yes when we're talking about the united states of america and potentially 60 or 65 projects in our beautiful great big giant country it certainly seems small and niche and yes by the numbers, it certainly is as it sits today. The reality is we're talking about climate change, we're talking about housing crisis we're talking about forest fires and and when you so there is and we're talking about no longer poisoning the earth the second next to transportation building materials and construction are the biggest leave the biggest carbon footprint annually and construction by far leaves the largest footprint in our landfills creating over 50% of the waste every year in our landfills again for these inferior, toxic, off-gassing, temporary construction materials. So we put all of that together, along with also wanting to really give ourselves a great quality of life, which includes indoor air quality, which includes not throwing money away on energy systems to heat, to cool these poorly insulated homes. So all of that, all of that revolutionary plasma awesomeness um, comes together. Together with Hemp Creed. And I I don't believe that it is going to be niche uh, for too much longer. I don't think we have as a planet too much longer. Exactly. Um, there, this is just such a no-brainer. Is it not the biggest no-brainer ever, Gene? Yes. And and uh it's interesting
1: because, you know, some people complain, well, how can I get insurance to insure it? And Dan Margraff told me, you know, just I interviewed him in December. I can't remember when I interviewed him. Actually, it was it was in the late fall. He said to me, "You know, the insurance companies should make people pay more if they don't build with hempcrete, especially in California.
0: A hundred and ten percent. It's like it's a guaranteed going to burn your house to the ground if you're not using hempcrete. There you pay. Therefore, you pay the. I didn't use hempcrete. My house is going to burn down. Surcharge." You know, versus I built responsibly with hempcrete that will be able to survive, you know, this fire. Um, and by the way, would have also survived Hurricane Katrina. Yeah,
1: exactly. You
0: know, I, it, when we're talking about the, the hygroscopicity of, of this material. It- or at least,
1: yeah, and also the mold issues. You know, recovering from any hurricane, you're going to have just the horrible mold. And that that just doesn't happen with the hempcrete so because it's it's so acidic so tell me you know you're you're feeling the energy joy and you have such a great i mean you just have a really great perspective you've been you've been doing this for so long and you've been you know building with hempcrete you've been touring the hempcrete structures you just tell me how it feels to you and what is sort of what do you see for mass adoption? How, how, what's the path?
0: Well, you know, uh, certainly we need for it. As you're well aware, um, everyone basically becomes an automatic, uh, an automatic um, activist every time they want to build a home here because uh, we we basically need to convince our local building and planning department to approve it. We don't have any real codes, um, to, to approve, uh, this, this building method. So
1: even though we do have the European codes, which are well tested completely, you know, they've been, they've been absolutely well tested and, you know, it's just, it's like the world series, you know, like it's not really a world series. It's really a United States thing, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's, basically the U.S. building uh, codes just don't want to accept any international, even though they're called the International Code Council, they don't want to, they are not interested really in international codes. So we just have to work with them, you know,
0: and we're not going away, right? We're not going away. Nope, not going away at all. And the other piece to that. And then, of course, there's the FTC's R value rules, 16 CFR 460, CFR being the Code of Federal Regulations, which is really the regulations for the labeling and testing of insulation. Uh, And I know that ASTM and USHBA, US Hemp Building Association, are also working together as a strategy to to meet the requirements or start to meet the requirements of 16 CFR 460 by coming up with uh, some standardized ways to figure out what the mix is. Because under the current rule, really every type and size and, and uh, I'm sorry, every type and formula of insulation needs to be tested. Um, and so there's a strategy to help get us going here um, with a more of a basic mix, right? And
1: that's also to just encourage innovation as well, because if people can come up with, I heard some people talking about trying to come up with an, a formula that was a blow-in insulation that did not necessarily need to have perfectly clean herd. And, you know, if you don't have to decorticate to such a, a super clean condition and you could, you could cut back on some of the decortication, it would drop the price of herd. So a lot of different people are really innovating on in every little step of the supply chain and God love them. And um they really and that was part of the reason that US Hand Building Association is trying to have the very the method of testing uh, and as opposed to the materials as opposed to a you know a a formula, a patented formula that you have to use that has to be on the shelf at Home Depot. Um, They don't want that. They want people to be able to innovate. And that is the right approach.
0: Absolutely, that is the right approach. And then in the time that we're living in, that is absolutely the right approach because I think all of this hundredth monkey sort of tipping point, is is happening. And then it's going to be go time. And we need people to be able, if it is safe, if it works, if it performs, then we need people to be able to use the material that is available to them locally. And when we talk about, and thank God for South Bend Industrial Hemp, and of course I've had Melissa on the show, uh, that processing like crazy Ultimately, as you well know, Jean, we need, because this is a heavy crop, it needs to be economically viable to move around. And we can't all be sending our herd to Kansas, right? Ultimately, we will have infrastructure and processing facilities within every 50 to 100 square miles of of that biomass feedstock. And while there will certainly, I think, be regional spots for infrastructure and manufacturing. Maybe certain regions are more grain, others more fiber. Um, And then of course, we'll have still some, a small amount of extract. And I only say a small amount because we've learned the hard way here in the United States that it takes a little bit of hemp to make a a whole lot of cannabinoid distillate or cannabidiol CBD distillate. So, um, but Ultimately, that's what we really are going to de- need to deliver on the promise. But I think the fact alone uh, that South Bend Industrial Hemp is so darn busy, and of course, as you well know, we've got IND Hemp uh, in Montana and, and some other uh, processing facilities going up, that is showing us the the, the desire um, in to move all of this industry forward. People want to deliver on this dream and they are willing Send it to Kansas. Right. Consumer demand is there it is there it is a hundred percent there now you are also by the way your your website alone hempbuildmag.com is such an, a tremendous resource gene the work that you do is just so important that's the point yes obviously i mean it's just and and your resources your what i would call your resources tab you have beautifully and appropriately called the community tab so when we go into the community tab there are just multiple resources you've got the knowledge base Um, you've got links Um, I want to talk about what you're doing at Clubhouse and the directory that you're creating for a moment so other ways not only do you have the magazine which currently is a free magazine I don't know if it will always stay free but currently is it free I think it needs to
1: stay free because for me you know part of the one of the things I think YouTube is absolutely the best way to find out about hempcrete, right? Because people, there's so many fantastic videos that have been uh, made, and you know the the building systems, you know all the different ones, the bricks, the the blocks, the the hand, the spray, blah 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 blah. All of that you can you can describe it much better with the video, right? But the second Tier is, you know researched articles and I do believe that people need to be able to come to a place where they hear about it and then they say what is that and then they go and they can just dig in and do their own research and that and the community um we are trying to get it so that it's a you know it's basically anyone can join it's free so people can talk to each other and basically, post pictures of their favorite projects or or ask questions, and um, we'd love to have more people in the in the community. Uh, but the idea is that, and and uh, you mentioned Clubhouse. We meet on Clubhouse on the Clubhouse app every Thursday. It's called the Hemp Building Room, and um, one of the fun things about that is. You know, when people are talking about things like uh, Wade Atterbury is talking about this uh, Western, I, I believe it's Western fiber. They are they are retooling a, a cotton gin in California with the Riverdale Hem Factory.
0: With the Riverdale Hemp Factory. Tom Pierce and Lawrence Serban and Wade Atterbury. It's just absolutely amazing. It's just absolutely amazing.
1: Right. But it's complicated. And, you know, if you're talking about, you know, various things in a conversation, like in Clubhouse or even on a, you know, a, a podcast is much easier because you can put links on or whatever, you know, you can kind of go back and listen, but, po- but Clubhouse is very ethereal. So the idea is, you know, if we're talking about something, this is complicated, this is building materials, this is public health and safety. So you need to be able to find the actual links to particular legislation or the links to rules, regulations, blah, 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 blah. So um, that's what the community's for, is to make sure that you can go in there and find, you know, people can post white papers or whatever they need to do. And then people can really do a lot of research. And I, I do believe that as long as people are doing research, the demand is just going to explode. And you have seen that, I'm sure, Joy.
0: So much so, and and another thing that I have to say about Hemp Build Mag, um, or Hemp Build Magazine, as it were, the full title, is uh, that reliability and accuracy is everything and i i even had a few years ago i was interviewed by the new york times they were doing a story on hemp creed it was a written interview i wrote the answers and yet and yet still, <laughs> God bless the New York Times. Um, I couldn't believe the major flaws in that article. It's like I—I I literally wrote the answer. And yet still, there's just wonky, inaccurate facts coming out. And you have just continued to take the time and have invested already so much time and are such a huge part of the hemp building community uh, that you have a, a sophisticated command um, and. At, at, and it certainly, at the very least, know what you don't know, at the very most, have a sophisticated command on the underlying issues, on the challenges, and bring forth news and articles that are accurate, that are factual, and that don't make us cringe. <laughs> They're wonderful. Yes. Well, and if anybody
1: cringes, I mean, it is the Internet, and, you know, accuracy is the most important thing. So I'm happy if I get something wrong, you know, I am very, very happy to have a correction. I want it to be accurate. It needs to be accurate. When you, you know, when you tell it, when you throw the words fake news at a journalist, they, they flinch and curl up into a, a ball because, you know, the spelling someone's name wrong used to be called the fatal error, you know, and um, I've done it. And, uh, you know, you need to, you, anyway, the point is accuracy is not an embarrassing thing accuracy both the interview subject and the reporter want accuracy so let's let's make sure that's there so yeah that that is one of the things and you know that some of the wishful thinking, you know, there's a lot of content on the internet that's cannabis related, that's wishful thinking. A lot of it, you know, things like they're gonna be making Legos out of hemp plastic next year. You know, that and
0: it's like it is like whack-a-mole. It's like that's been a three years ago we ended that one. And just recently I saw somebody reposted. It. It's like whack-a-mole. No, we already debunked that.
1: Right. It's it's so the main thing is, you know, trying to just make sure that everything is is um is accurate uh, and and that we can build on it. And it's, it's wonderful to see. The other thing that really, that I love, Joy, is I've met so many young people who are just getting into building with hemp. And it's such a future looking business. You know, I've, I'm thinking of the people in hemp building company in Longmont, Colorado, Dalton, um, Phelan Dalton and Dan, I'm thinking of the Hemp Twins in California. I'm thinking Tommy of
0: Tommy and Maddie. I mean, yeah, Tommy and Maddie. Right,
1: they're all under thirty, and here they are. Not only think, you know, not only getting into a um, a trade kind of thing, but some some are, you know, they're just they're taking the the contractor training, and then they're just like starting their own companies, and they're young, and some of them are like father and son. But for me, that is just so hopeful because it's just like these these people and diverse, too. I mean, it's really, you know, all different, many different races and many different. It's it's just it's
0: so wonderful. It's
1: capturing the imagination of young people. And I love it because they need to they're the ones that are that have the housing anxiety and um, and then instead of curling up in a ball, they're jumping up and saying, "I can fix this. Uh, we actually know a way to fix this. We have the answer everyone's looking for. We just have to prove it to them." Which is a Jacob, a Jacob Whatell thing, and he's absolutely right.
0: A hundred and ten percent. And and you know. Uh, just the reality is that we're the, the healing is coming uh, hemp is going to create so many new careers and so many jobs hundreds and hundreds of thousands of jobs throughout all of the all of the supply chain and by that I mean of course in all of the different hemp industries nutrition body care pharmaceuticals nutraceuticals but most importantly the trillion dollar industries uh, building materials textiles paper energy fuel uh nanotechnology all of those classics bioplastics oh my gosh and bioresins all of it thank you sister and and as we come to a close though i want to make sure that we talk about how you do support uh hemp build magazine and that's with classifieds and advertising packages and uh you've got an ever-growing distribution
1: yes correct and we we um and yeah, you mentioned the directory. We are we are putting on a directory. It'll be between seventy and one hundred pages. It's coming out in December, and it's basically you know it's the whole supply chain. So if you are building a hemp house, you want to have it all in one place. You know every lime company, every blah 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 blah. A- and I do think you know that is the one that is the one place that we all need to learn a lot about is you can't have hemp walls without lime or some other building material. So we need to, you know, I like, I liken it to sort of like the raisin farmers. We're the raisin farmers. And someone comes to me and says, I want uh, muffins with raisins in them. And you're asking the raisin farmers to give you muffins with raisins. And then there are a lot of steps in between. And we have to be able to work with the people who already are dealing with the builders. We have to be able to speak their language to to basically get hemp to be just another aggregate that builders have a choice to use so that, and they don't have to just run around saying, it's hemp, it's hemp, it's hemp. They just say, oh, do you want the hemp creep, you know, or do you want the, this kind of insulation or whatever, or the designers, the architects, exactly.
0: Do you want this bio fill or do you want this, you know, I mean... It doesn't need to be all hemp all the time in terms of, you know, making such a big deal. It's a, it's a bio aggregate. It's a biocellulose aggregate. So. Yes.
1: But it is so exciting. You know, the fact that hemp does so many other things and you know, as the, the comeback plant, the American second chapter kind of story is just so exciting. And so it captures the imagination. So, so yeah, the directory, that's basically what it is. That is uh, just a way for people to, um, to basically have that in their hands and and we're planning to put one out every year so obviously by next year it it might be twice as big because there will be so many so many new people joining
0: up. I was just going to say, we need to train up that workforce. I mean, poor Cameron, he can't be flying everywhere, right? He's in Pennsylvania. And I'm pretty sure Cameron would like to be busy with Pennsylvania projects, <laughs> local and so on. And, and of course, we're making a big deal about Americhambre, and as well, we should. Cameron McIntosh is a hero, but we have so many hemp builders now and and they will continue to to multiply that hemp building directory is a very valuable piece of information that is forthcoming i bought mine the minute i i think i purchased i it know you did and i'm so grateful within 60 seconds of getting the email because we get a big a good deal on the pre-sale for this directory so folks if you're listening and you are interested in and have your in your chops over this hemp building directory that's coming out you are going to want want to pre-purchase uh, it. So get to hempbuildmag.com right now and go to directory uh, 2022 and pre-purchase it. Otherwise, you're going to pay the published tax. Um, and and may may hundreds and thousands of people pay uh, that published tax, sister. But we want to make sure that we're advertising the great deal uh, for the pre-sale, which of course helps keep you going and, and create this incredible work product that you are continuing to put out for us. Yeah. Yes. thank
1: you, Joy. And it's it's true. We're um, it's such an adventure. It's really it's really cool. And I'm actually bringing my sister to a hemp building workshop here in Texas this weekend, and uh, it's just going to be
0: great. It's going to be so Awesome. Sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. I just, my favorite smell in the world is curing uh, hempcrete. That's literally my favorite smell.
1: I know. Doesn't it smell like a, a, the smell is definitely something that you notice right away when you walk in to the building before the lime has been put on. And the, the, the smell is, it's like, it reminds you of like a, a summer day in a hay field or something. Right.
0: It's just clean. There's something so clean about it. I you know, I don't know what to I don't know how to describe it other than when I have curing blocks from workshops, I stick them in the the bedroom uh, bathroom, close the door, turn the heat on and then when I open up the door, it, it comes out. out. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's oh, just huge clean waft. Now, Miss Jean, before we go, is there a question that you wished I would have asked you or something you want to make sure you leave the listeners with? I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there anything?
1: You know, what I'd like to know from you is what
0: is your favorite Hemp Creek house that you've been in? (sighs) OK, well, it's I'm going to have to say that it's the now house in Asheville, North Carolina. And I know that the owners and builders of that house will are, are will want for me to have a new house to say in another year because they want. Of course, that was the whole reason uh, why they invested so much into what really was and is the first platinum lead uh, a home hempcrete home in the united states it might have even been i think it was the first platinum lead hempcrete home in the world the now house uh and it it also had incorporated of course about 80 different other sustainable green building techniques it was just an incredible some some which ended up working great and some which didn't but um i happen to love sort of and this by the way is something that I love so much about hempcrete in terms of your ability to decorate with it do you want do you want stark 90 degree angle lines do you want a hobbit home do you want a victorian gingerbread house I mean do you want something groovy and psychedelic do you want a home that looks you want a stucco
1: bungalow yeah
0: yes a mushroom all of those things and so These were 18 inch walls, sister. So it just the whole house and with the lime plaster inside, with the and and the flooring was uh red clay that had been excavated from the site and turned into the floor. So just the whole vibration of the home, the inside feeling, the smell, the rounded hobbit like windows in this gigantic luxury home. I it's it's my favorite one so far, sister.
1: That's right. We never know. And who do you think the first, I, I, I think it's only a matter of time before some celebrity or influencer Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, Martha Stewart, somebody announces, a friend, Prince Charles actually did build a house with hempcrete in the walls a couple years ago. How did um, I not
0: know this? I'm not the journalist, I guess. Oh my god, I didn't know that. So but it was it was only, you know, it was
1: like a little bit of insulation in this sort of, you know, house of tomorrow kind of thing. But I mean, I really do think I mean, you know, Beyonce has said that she has a hemp farm and I just think it's really on the edge of some celebrity uh uh picking it up and announcing that they're gonna build this. I think if you do live in a hemp house, you end up almost living in a public building that people knock on the door and come and want to, you know, they want to, Get a tour. And-
0: the mayor of Asheville was like, "No, you may not come tour my home. Thanks, no." <laughs> so I, luckily, you know, I had a little special in there. But but he was always getting asked to tour the home. It's like, no, this is my house. Yes, but, exactly. But yes, that edge is here, and I completely, I'm vibing with you. You know, there there will be more lightning rods that will continue to move this this forward, Jane. Well, yeah, I agree. We are just so lucky in the hemp community to have you. You are such a huge part of the hemp community, the hemp building community, Jean. I am so glad. To...
1: Likewise, back at you, Joy.
0: <laughs> oh, we will lock arms and walk into this Hemp and Horizon together. And it will be so much. And thanks for the great work you do. Thank you for listening and heeding the call. Jean Lotus, you are something else, sister. Thanks for everything. Oh, thanks, Joy. I'm I'm so delighted to be here. Until next time, I'm wishing you everything wonderful, Miss Jean. Thank you for being with us.